Our second reading, the story of the Transfiguration, comes to us today from Luke's Gospel. It's in the ninth chapter, verses 28 through 36. And if you're following along in your pew Bible, it can be found on page 1609. Friends, listen now for another word from God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying, though. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh, gracious God, make these words into your own words. Make them the words that we need to hear from you this morning. Use them to teach us to guide us, and to bring us closer to you. Amen. I took a class in seminary called the Christian Year. It was in the fall of my final year, and we met every Tuesday evening from 6 to 9 p.m. It started right at dinner time, and it ended right at bedtime. And while the timing of this class wasn't my favorite, for reasons you could probably imagine, the content of it was. The content was my favorite because it felt very practical. As a class, we walked through the Christian year together. We learned where our annual Christian traditions come from, like Advent and Lent. We learned things like how it wasn't until the late 1600s or even the 1700s that the Sabbath was moved for Christians from the Jewish tradition of Saturday to Sunday, like it is now. We learned that Advent, as a liturgical season, it didn't come around until Pope Gregory I. And his reign 
was between 590 and 604. We learn things like the actual word Easter doesn't really have anything to do with Jesus. We even spent a whole three hours talking about ordinary time and the transition Sundays in it, like this one, Transfiguration Sunday. While we didn't spend a whole three hours talking about the details of Transfiguration Sunday, we did have a pretty lively conversation about it. We talked about these scriptures, the very same ones that we read this morning, and we shared some of our memories of the Transfiguration Sundays from our growing up. And one brave classmate sort of raised their hand hesitantly. And when she was called on, she goes, Transfiguration Sunday has always felt a little woo-woo to me. Like, you know, woo-woo. And we had a brief detour on what woo-woo actually meant. We decided it meant kind of weird, hard to grasp, hard to understand. And then as we talked about it more and more, it is kind of woo-woo. We're talking like glowing faces, mysterious appearances of dead people. Woo-woo. But we can't let ourselves get caught up in the woo-woo, though. It's more important in this story to pay attention to where it occurs in the grander Christian story. See, at this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus has already called together his 12 disciples. He's given them power to heal the sick, authority over demons. He sent them out to proclaim good news. And when they came back, Jesus and the apostles they were met with, well, thousands of people. And the disciples told them it was time to go home, but Jesus said, no, let's feed them. And so 5,000 people were fed with five loaves and two fish. And eight days before he takes Peter, John, and James up the mountain, and Jesus asks his disciples who he is. They tell him things like Elijah, John the Baptist, or another ancient prophet who has been raised from the dead. And Jesus responds saying that all those who follow him, they must be willing to take up a cross daily, and they must not be ashamed by him and by his words. Now, eight days pass. We don't really know what happens in those eight days, but Jesus takes his closest friends disciples, Peter, John, and James, up on a mountain to pray with them, a mountaintop of all places, like the mountain that Moses went up on to talk to God after God had led the people out of Egypt, like the mountain that God gave Moses the covenant on. God has a bit of a history of showing up on mountaintops. And right in the middle of their praying, Jesus starts to look different. He starts to change. His face becomes all sparkly. And I wonder if maybe it glowed like that of a new mom. Or maybe it glowed like a high school senior who has just gotten that magic acceptance letter into their dream school. You know that glow. 
Or maybe it was a more literal sparkle. Maybe it looked like his face was covered in glitter as the light was reflecting off of it. Then two men appear out of nowhere, and Jesus is talking to them like they're old friends. They too were clothed in clothing that wasn't of this world, but of another. And they were talking of Jesus's departure, his exodus even, that would happen soon in Jerusalem. While all of this is happening, somehow Peter, John, and James were almost overcome by sleep. Well, this part I think is a little woo-woo because with all that we've described, how could they possibly be sleepy with that weirdness that's happening around them? But the story says they somehow managed to stay awake. And they see Jesus and these two men shining in glory. As Moses and Elijah are about to leave, to return to where they came from, Peter does something a little odd to our ears. He offers to make them each a tent on the mountaintop to dwell in. But before Peter can even finish asking his question, a big cloud has come over them. And Moses and Elijah have entered that cloud. And John and James probably stood there with their mouths wide open. And Peter, with a confused look on his face, because he was just talking to someone who's not there anymore. Further inducing this state of awe among them, a voice is heard from the clouds. It's a different voice than that of Jesus, Elijah, and Moses that they had just heard talking. Since the voice came from the clouds, I imagine it to be like bellowing, the kind that sort of stops you in your tracks. The voice says, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. As Peter, James, and John, as they heard the voice, they found Jesus alone and the cloud dispersing throughout the mountains. With all the woo-woo they had just seen and heard, they were really too afraid to share anything. They stood there speechless, probably wondering if what they had just seen was real. They were afraid to speak out, afraid that they had been imagining things. And so they didn't tell a soul what they had seen or what they had heard. While they might not have told anyone what they had seen or what they had heard, the woo-woo was with them, if you will. They heard God say, this is my son. This is who I have chosen. Listen to him. Those are some pretty powerful words. When they came down from the mountain, the way that they see Jesus is different than it was before. I think they had to have known all along that Jesus was special. But to hear God say to them, This is my son. This is my chosen listen to him, that had to have changed something in them too. But it's all a little woo-woo. But remember, it's not making sense of the mystery that happened up on the mountain that's important. After the transfiguration, when they begin to see Jesus differently, 
it all changes. See, up until now, it had been Jesus preaching and teaching, but now it all points towards Jerusalem, to what will happen there, to the cross. There's a story that sometimes pastors will tell to help make sense of the transfiguration. I've heard it told many different ways. Sometimes it's about a football team or about a dance team, but the basic concept is the same. My story is about a marching band. It was the first day of band camp in August. It was hot outside, even in the morning. The students had all gathered on the field, They were already starting to sweat as it was hot. They didn't know what to expect and probably a little bit anxious. Once everyone was set on the field, the director orders the drum majors to march the band back towards the school. Unsure what the director is doing, the drum majors do it anyway because they don't really know any better. They follow him through the hallways, back into the lobby. It's a room that's really too small for them, but this lobby serves a dual feature. Not only is it a lobby, but it also serves as a trophy room. The lights are all off, but there's a little dim in the room, and it seems like all of the light is pointing towards the biggest trophy in the room, the grand champion trophy. They're all looking around in awe. The director takes out this big trophy out of the case, and he passes it around the band. He tells them to hold it in your hands, to feel the weight of it, to feel the work that put into earning this. And as it's being passed around the room, people begin to dream about holding their own trophy their own thing that they worked hard for when the director speaks to them again, this time saying, I can lead you to glory like this. If you do what I say, if you listen to me, even though you might not understand what I'm asking you to do, if you do what I say, even though it's hard, if you trust me, I will lead you to your own grand championship trophy. He showed the band the glory and said, listen to me. God said from the cloud, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. While the mystery in this story might be a little woo-woo, a little hard to grasp, And if we try too hard to make sense of it, we can find ourselves lost. But if we think about where this story is in the grander scheme of our own Christian story, it starts to become a little bit clearer. What if when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountaintop to show them a glimpse of the glory in God that is to come, that will come, as we listen to Jesus, even if we don't understand why, and even when it's hard. As we approach this season of Lent that this Sunday transitions us into, 
will come on Ash Wednesday when ashes will be imposed on our foreheads and we'll engage in some practices of fasting or we give something up or maybe we'll go the trendier route and add something to our routines. These practices of giving something up or adding something, they're not so that we can be healthier or cooler as much as we try to make them into those things. We give something up, like giving up the practice of being mean to ourselves, so that there might be more space in our lives for us to hear God better and clearer. We might add something, perhaps an effort to pray every single day for the next 40 days, to intentionally create space to hear how God is guiding us better. Maybe we'll hear God saying to us, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And we'll listen to what God guides us to do, even though we might not understand, even though it doesn't make sense, even though it's difficult. Listen to him. Listen, even though you doubt. Listen, even when you're unsure. Listen, even when it's scary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.